We've been talking about walking in the spirit, not fulfilling the lust of your flesh. Aren't you glad that you do not have to live a fleshly life anymore? We were once some of those, but we got born again. We were once one of those, but we got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. We were once one of those, but we got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and we got discipled. Hallelujah. And we got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, discipled. And then what did we do? We start walking in the Spirit. Amen. And when you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. And so what I was thinking about this is dropped to my heart again about, you know, um, uh, uh, um, the Lord tells us to take off things and put on things. And, you know, we talk a lot, about, especially in our kind of church and our circles, you know, spirit-filled circles, we talk a lot about the armor of God. Are y'all grateful for the armor of God? You know, and I know some people do it, you know, every day they get up, they put on the armor of God, you know, um, and that's fine, but I think you should leave it on actually. Um, so, you know, but the armor of God, you know, are you grateful uh, for the helmet of salvation? And we've learned a lot about that. And oh my gosh, in our circles, we know about the shield of faith, don't we? And the sword of the spirit, you know, and, and all that and the shoes of peace. But what do you got to do? Well, you got to put them on and you put them on in Christ. And, and you got to understand them because each, each, uh, you know, each um, portion of the armor of God is very important. You know, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, your, bless, your breastplate, that's a hard one to say every once in a while, but righteousness is very important for you as a new believer, uh, as a believer, because it protects the uh, most important parts of your life. So you've got to understand righteousness in order to win against the devil because he will try to condemn you, but there's now no condemnation to you anymore. And one of the ways to get rid of condemnation is to realize you've been made the righteousness of, Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. But you all know that. And so what do you got to do with the armor? You got to put it on. How do you put it on? You don't put it on by uh, uh, natural, you know, cards. You know, we give you all a card. Okay, put that on. You put that on by walking in the spirit. It's a spiritual armor. It's a spiritual helmet. We don't actually pass out helmets except for in children's church. Pastor Rhonda has, if you've never been in our Torch Children's Church, we have a cool armor back there. We got it all uh, to remind the kids they have the armor of God. But, but there's not natural stuff, that's spiritual stuff. And you can tell when someone doesn't have a grasp of part of their armor. You can tell when they don't have a grasp of the sword of the spirit. You can really tell when someone doesn't have a grasp of righteousness, right? And you can tell when their life is messy because they haven't put on the loin belt of truth. They don't know the logos. They don't know, because the, the logos is what keeps it all tied. If, for someone not talking about this tonight, he sure is talking a lot about it, right? But you got to do what with you? You got to put it on. And the Lord talks a lot about putting things on and taking things off. And, um, you know, um, so there's other, though, besides the armor of God, there's other things the Lord has told you to do to get dressed properly in the realm of the spirit in order to do well. You know, um, the Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about running the race that is set before you. How many know the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord? And so we all have a course to complete. 
You all have an appointment. I have an appointment. You have an appointment. And I know people don't like this term anymore, the judgment seat of Christ. I don't care if you call it the reward seat or the judgment seat. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, The King James says it's the judgment seat. What is that? Well, that's where you'll receive your rewards for whether you obeyed on the earth. I mean, you know, you're all going to be there one day. And what the Lord's going to ask you, he said, really basically he's going to ask you, did you do what I told you to do while he's on the earth? And then if you have your laundry list of why you didn't get it done, he's going to be like, nope, that's a yes or no place. It's going to go quick. The rewards are going to go pretty quick. There's got, no negotiating is going to happen there. You either did it or you didn't. Praise the Lord. It's Wednesday night. You can handle it, right? Well, you know, Lord, though, you know, remember that time I got that new job and I just needed to settle in and, you know, we bought that new house and it took a year, you know, to get all the boxes undone. We just took a break from you. It's Wednesday night, y'all. Hallelujah. How many know yes or no? How many want us to be able to say yes? Well, that will help you with getting some different kind of clothes on. I'm glad you know about your armor. But I want to talk to you about something else. And so um, we've been talking a lot. You know, last time Dr. Varela was in here, she told Pastor Ron and I and the staff that, you know, we thought we were, but we're going to have to start running. And, uh, you know, she is so accurate, isn't she? (laughs) I feel like I'm running like crazy, keeping up. I thought I was doing a pretty good thing. The other day I was driving. I said, Lord, can't we slow this down to a jog at least, you know? I feel like we're at a full sprint again. And that's great. But in order to run your spiritual race, you gotta, you got, you got to be ready. You got to be ready to run your race. How many know you're running a marathon? Hallelujah! And in that marathon, there might be a hill or two. And so we need to know what to do. He's like, well, I'll get to it in just a second. Hallelujah. So we talked about walking in the spirit so we wouldn't fulfill the lust of our flesh. So these are spiritual clothes, the armor, spiritual clothes. So I want you to look at Colossians chapter 3. So I'm going to talk to you some things. It goes along with walking in the spirit and not fulfilling some things. And it gives you some things um, in this hour that we live in so that you can run your race with patience and you can finish your course with joy and you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. One of the things the Bible says, it says when we're running in Hebrews 12, I told you to go to Colossians, but I am not ready for Colossians. You're not ready for Colossians. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. So we are all good about the sin part. Everybody, you know, that's the lust of your flesh, sin. Everybody knows what sin is. And so what are you supposed to do with that? You're supposed to get rid of the sin. But what are weights? Well, those are different things for different people. What's a weight to you might not be a weight to me, and what's a weight to me may not be a weight to you. It just depends on who you are. That's something the Holy Ghost has to deal with you about. Amen? And so a lot of times, you know, when the Lord deals with you to fast Starbucks or whatever, he didn't, he didn't ask everybody. Not even everybody in your house. Well, the Lord's called me to early morning prayer. Good for you. I can't try not to wake me. Hallelujah. Or for, in my case, there's been seasons where I, you know, up at night, seasons praying, but it doesn't mean she has to walk the floors with me. Every assignment is individual. Sometimes there are family assignments. 
Sometimes there are church assignments. But my point is, just because God's dealing with you about it doesn't mean he's dealing with the entire family, body of Christ, about it. Y'all good? So what are we going to do? We're going to lay aside every sin. Then we're going to lay aside every weight that does so easily what? Beset us. What does that mean? Trip us up. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So this is a marathon. It's going to take some patience. How? Looking unto Jesus. Man, I just love his name. And I'm really grateful over the last little bit. Um, you know, I, I always appreciate it. Uh, you know, we sang one of uh, Charity's, uh, Gail's songs tonight, but I love the way she writes her and Ryan. I love the way they write because every song has his name in it. We have to be careful that we get away from, you know, talking to Jesus, singing to Jesus. Jesus is the name above every name. So we're looking unto Jesus, the author. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our master. Yes, he's our healer and our redeemer, but he is Lord and he is master of our lives. And that's who we look unto. And so you've got to run with your eyes up. In the natural, you can't run with your eyes up. You've got to look where you're going. But in the spirit, if, you're in, if your eyes are in this natural realm, you're going to trip. You're going to fall. If your eyes are roaming to the right and to the left, if your eyes are looking at what everybody else has done, if your eyes are more concerned with this world system than they are with the things of heaven, with the kingdom of God, with the things of the spirit, you're going to trip. And so we, how do you run in rhythm looking up in the realm of the spirit? Well, it's hard to explain except for to looking at the word and tell, and that's what I'm going to look at tonight. What, you got to have the right clothes on. You got to have the right things on. But first of all, you got to have the attitude. I got to get rid of all the sin. I got to get rid of all the weights that he's dealing with me that so easily beset me. And I'm going to look to Jesus, what? The author and the finisher. He who began a good work in you will bring Bring it to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, he's the Alpha, the Omega. He's just not at your end. He is your end. He is the first and the last. Amen. And that's who you're, you see, when you run your race, um, he is your finish line. If anything in life is not over until it's over in him. And if it's over in him, that means you always win. No, I lost a few. Well, in him you win. I don't know. Well, you're looking in the natural, but in him you always win. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sin? Even in death. Ha, ha, ha. I'm in heaven. Ha, 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 I get to spend eternity with the Lord. Even if I arrived a little bit early, it didn't mess him up. I'm still there for eternity. I'm still there forever. And my mansion, even if they had to work on it really quick overnight, it's still done. Hallelujah. Maybe extra tour of the city or something. I don't know how it works. Come on. Even in death, we win. That's got to frustrate the devil. Hallelujah. We always win. We always win. How, but we got to run a race to win in him. Hallelujah. Looking unto Jesus, the author finished her faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
And you have to consider him. You have to consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you grow weary and faint in your mind. So thinking about Jesus running your race, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. I want to read first out of the King James Version. Colossians 3, um, 1 through 9. No, I'll go ahead. Uh, we'll do Colossians 3, 1 through 9. Let's go ahead and do the New Living Translation. Colossians 3, 1 through 9, New Living. So this first part um, talks to you about what in the natural, what do you got to do? In order, when you get born again, how many of you know the blood of Jesus doesn't cover your sins, it removes them? You know, we used to sing song, and it's fine. You know, we don't want to be song police all the time. We try to do the right thing. But, you know, covered, covered, covered. Every time we sang it, it bothered me because I haven't been covered. I, my, the blood of Jesus removed my sins. Amen. Now, I, you know, I plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus does things for me. But, you know, the blood, um, I've not been, that's Old Testament. My sins have been removed. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are, come on, they're gone. I'm a new man. The old me's dead. Hallelujah. And so this is what he's talking about. So with that, though, then, then the Lord, after you get born again, then there's some things that you're going to have to do. And so there's some things you got to put off. So like, uh, you know, if you go work out, you know, if I go to the gym and I, uh, you know, get done working out and I come home uh, sweaty and I got my T-shirt kind of sweaty and it's sticking to me a little bit. And, you know, and all I do is go grab, you know, a bottle of deodorant and, you know, try to and, and get some cologne, you know, squirt two, three times and then go put, you know, a nice shirt on. What, what have we just done? <laughs> what well, most of the church world does. What well, most of the church world does. Because they don't know who they are. They don't know they got to take some stuff off. <laughs> Get washed in the word. Amen. Just because we get born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, talk in tongues, come to church, especially on Wednesday night, y'all good. But if we want to really run and finish, then we got to do what the Bible says. And, and I'm ready to do that. Are you ready to do that? I've been, you know, been doing that for a long time, and I know most of you have too, but I just want to remind you. So there's some things you got to take off before you can put them on. You don't put, you don't put a robe of righteousness over your old sin mentality. Because you'll be like having sin consciousness and then trying to walk in righteous consciousness at the same time. It just doesn't work. you got to get rid of the old sin nature. You know, that's why I talk to you all the time. You're not a sinner anymore. You were, and then God's amazing grace showed up. And then you got born again. And now you're a saint. You are, now you've been made righteous. I acknowledge, I remember who I was. I was a sinner, but that's not who I am anymore. It's all right to know where you came from. We were, I'm trying to get to this, y'all. We were once in a dunghill, but he has raised us up. And I'm grateful he got rid of that dunghill smell. And he raised us up, but he didn't just raise us up. He raised us up to sit us with the princes. 
Even, come on, we're ruling and reigning in Christ Jesus. All right? But again, we're, so we're not putting something on us just to cover up. Then that means we, as we walk in the Spirit, then we're going to remove some things. We're going to remove some stinking thinking. We're going to remove religion. We're going to remove the traditions of men. We're going to remove fleshly things in our life so that we can put on something. And I believe this is a constant thing because we're still here in the world. So this says this, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, y'all been raised up from the dead, set your sights on realities of heaven where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. This is new living. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So people who are raised up ought to have most of their mind time on things that are of heaven, not of earth. You know, I know there's this old saying, and, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, don't be so heavenly minded that you'll be no earthly good. I, come on. I know what they're saying. They're thinking, you know, there's the fruits and the flakes out there that they can't uh, operate in this world. But the truth of the matter of it is, if you are real heaven-minded, you'll be every earthly good. It's not till you get heavenly-minded that you get earthly good. I know what their old Pentecostals are talking about. They're talking about the people who, you know, uh, they get so earthly, so uh, heavenly-minded that they can't go to work anymore. They can't cut the grass. They can't wash the dishes. Because I got things, you know, no, but real heavenly minded will make you every earthly good. The real stuff. The real stuff. Hallelujah. For you died in this life and the, your real life. So the old me is dead, but the real me is now hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death. Uh-oh sinful, earthly things lurking within you, having nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. How many of you know we don't love money around here? We don't serve money around here. Money serves us. You are blessed to be a blessing, and if you keep that last part and keep it right, then you won't become money-minded. Amen. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. It's just supposed to serve you. I serve God, so money serves me. Because I got some things to do for God. Do you? Don't be greedy for a greedy person's eye dollar, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things. Everybody say, I used to do those things. You used to do those things when your life was still part of this world. So all those things should be used to. They should be past. Now they try to lurk in your flesh, but you got to crucify it. You got to kill them. Hallelujah. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice, uh, behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to one another, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Amen. So see, you got to take off some things. Now, when he's done talking about taking some things off, now he's going to tell you to put some things on. So how many of you know, if some of that stuff tries to get back on you, if anger get, tries to get back on you, which we looked at was the lust of the flesh, then what are we going to do? we got to walk in the spirit so that we don't fulfill the thumos of our flesh. What is anger? It's like a volcano ready to explode. How many of you know that's not part of our life anymore? 
Right, listen to me, I heard it. Righteous anger is different than, than lust anger. And righteous anger, there's not a whole lot of people that are really righteously angered. They're not. They're not. They act like it, but it's not righteous anger. Well, that's just my righteous indignation. What do you think that really means? That means somebody, it's not, it has more to do with Jesus and righteousness and not fulfilling some, uh, the things of the word of God. It doesn't have to do with natural things. All right, whatever. All right. Colossians 3, 10. Let's switch over to the NIV. Colossians 3.10, NIV. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. So how do you put on the new you? You look in the mirror. Remember, James says the word of God is a mirror. And the mirror is twofold. It reflects who you are, and then you look in it to make adjustments. So the word, it's a, it's a cool mirror. It reflects to you who you really are. And then as you look at who you really are, you can make some adjustments. So put on the new self, which is renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Uh, here there is, no, um, there is no Gentile or Jew. Come on, you need to know about your identity. Who are you? How do you identify? Everybody's trying to identify themselves today. But as a Christian, where is your identity? Where is it? Where is it found? There's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and in all. Your identity as a new believer has to be in Christ. Who are you? Who are you? I am a born again believer. I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my number one identity. That's my number one identity. It's not the color of my skin. It's not where I live. It's not what nation I belong to. Because in Christ, there is none of those. Yeah, but everybody else. We're not talking about everybody else. We're talking about us. How do we identify ourselves? Come on. Since, I, since I'm really scattered tonight and having a really good time, I'm just going to keep being that way. You know, remember they came to John the Baptist and said, who are you? And he, he knew who he wasn't, and he knew who he was. Who are you? Who are you? Well, you know, maybe who you used to be, how you identified yourself. And there's nothing wrong with natural identification as long as it's not where you start. I thank God I live in this country. I appreciate it. I've been to many countries. I thank God for it, but it is not my highest thingy. My citizenship is in heaven. I am a child. I appreciate my mom and dad. I appreciate my natural parents, but the greatest parent I have is my father, God. Come on, even Jesus was like, Who's my brother? <laughs> Who's my sister? Even when his mama was having a, a little break there and his brothers are trying to take him away, he's like, who, who, who are these? you got a whole bunch of brothers and sisters. And I know when we get to heaven, there are going to be some of them maybe surprised we're all there. But you know what? Hallelujah. We're there. Hallelujah. Where's your identity? 
Come on, it's not strange for the devil to try to take a revelation God is trying to get in the body of Christ right now and twist it. Look for what the devil is twisting, and then with that sometimes you can find out what God's trying to do. Identity is being twisted. It's devilish. What it, but see, until you know who you really are, you can't flourish in the kingdom of God. How you identify yourself. How, how do I identify? I'm in Christ. And I'm not, not talking about Mark. We're not talking about you. We're talking about who we are in Christ. Because in myself, I know that I don't, I don't know a whole lot, can't do a whole lot, can't be a whole lot, but I'm not in me anymore. I'm in him. And in him, I can know all things. I can do all things. I can be all things. Amen? So, um, so our identity is as a believer. All right. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself. This is where we've been trying to get to for 37 minutes. Hallelujah. Clothe yourself. How? With compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each, and, uh, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so really for me, he's telling us what to take off. Since we've been raised to new life, he says, take this off. And then, you know, don't lie to one another. Strip yourself of your old sin for nature. But then I want you now to put on your new self. What am I going to do? How, what am I putting on my new self for? Well, I call these, I call this um, your running clothes. You got your fighting clothes, the armor of God. I call this your running clothes. This is how you're going to finish your course. This is how you're going to finish your course. So just, uh, we're, we're gonna, we'll go through these. So what did he tell you to put on? Number one, he told you to put on compassion. Well, you remember the Lord Jesus. He was moved with compassion. And so let's look at some, um, so, so again, uh, it says, put on therefore elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, all that in the King James. But here, well, let's just go with the NIV. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. So um, that word compassion, uh, you can find some other scriptures. We'll just go through these kind of quick. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Luke 6, 36. Luke 6, 36 says, be therefore merciful as our compassionate as your father. So listen, compassion here is what the first thing you want to know is it's not human. So compassion is not pity. In other words, I don't look at someone and feel sorry for them. That's not how God is. Compassion is different. The definition of compassion from, from God's point of view is the desire to give aid and show mercy. How I many know God's merciful? What is mercy? You get something you didn't deserve. You get something you didn't deserve. So what's the Lord? How, how, what's part of your running clothes? Well, as a person who's going to run with God, you're going to have to have some compassion about you. Am, am I in the right place? Maybe there's a reason we worked all the way up to this. Because right now in the body of Christ, I'm wondering if there's much compassion. It doesn't just mean compassion for each other, compassion for the people you like that you attend church with. It's compassion, period. 
Compassion to those who deserve it and compassion to those who don't deserve it. Passion to those that you like, that you birds of a feather flock together with, and those birds you'd like to stay away from. Be therefore merciful, how? As your Father is merciful. Now, let me just ask, come on, how many of you love the mercy of God? I want to know how many of you maybe use some today. Come on, at least in a week, in the month. I'm grateful what the, his mercy is new every morning. (laughs) Lord, help us to run a race by being compassionate. Merciful. I don't know. I just believe the more we show that, the more we'll reap that. James 5.11, this character of God. Behold, we count them happy which endure. We've heard of the patience of Job, and you've seen the end of the Lord. The Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercies. That's that word. That's the same word as compassion. Merciful. You've seen the end of Job, who didn't have it all together. But the truth of the matter is, in the end, you see God. And what are you supposed to get? He's merciful. He's merciful. So what is he saying? If you're going to run this race and be successful, if you're going to really walk with God, then you and I have to have some compassion not have to have not some compassion. We need to be, have the same compassion one for another the way the Lord has compassion and mercy towards us. Now, you cannot do that on your own. No. You can't do that on your own. you got to walk in the Spirit to get this. you got to, on purpose, come on. Come on, there are people that you'd rather, you'd rather get in a, I mean, you know, get in a headlock and just beat the. Aren't you glad God didn't do that with you? Then we can't do that with people. Not verbally, not in posts, not in likes. Be careful. Be careful. Oh, Lord, you're going to get me in trouble. He sees what buttons you push. Praise the Lord. Kindness. Let's move on. Kindness. Anybody grateful for the kindness of God to you? Hallelujah. This this food's for grown-up folk. How many want to finish your course? Want to hear well done? You want to change the world? See, this part of this, this this stuff, because this is like, oh, get in there and do something. But this is the kind of stuff that changes people. This is the kind of stuff, if you walk in this, if I walk in this, and you don't grow up overnight, and we're, we're all learning. Well, So that one time I wasn't compassionate. The Lord's mad at me. No, you ask for forgiveness, and you, Lord, help me do better next time. And then five minutes later, you got another chance. <laughs> Hallelujah. You, so this stuff is ongoing, right? The next one is kindness. Um, I would tell you these original words. I have them written down, but then I'd butcher them too bad. Though, so what does this mean? Those who show this are compassionate, kindness. They're, they're, it means they're considerate, sympathetic, humane, kind, and gentle. 
Paul used this same word many times to denote God's kindness to the unsaved. A kind person is adaptable to the needs of those around them. Let's look at Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Oh, despisest thou the riches of God's goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, knowing it is the goodness or the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. That le- How many know it was the kindness of God that led you and I to repent? That, that's that same word, kindness. Aren't you glad he's kind? Now that kind person now, that kind Jesus lives on the inside of you and he needs you and I. If you're going to run this race and you're going to be effective, then you're going to have to show that kindness to those around you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7. Ephesians 2 says that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. So he's not just asking you to be naturally kind because you can only be naturally kind when you feel like it. You can only be naturally kind when someone else is being kind to you. There was a time when you and I didn't care about God's kindness. But when we needed him, and then we look back in our life, and even when we weren't trying even, he was being kind to us. He was being good to us. And then when we were ready, he really showed us his kindness, which led us to repentance. And that same thing in us, man, if we could get the body of Christ to be kind. Isn't that sad that you got to say something like that? If we could get all of us just being kind, first to one another, and then kind to people who don't deserve our kindness. But you can't do that because, you know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got some things I could say to you. But let's believe God that the kindness that God showed to us will well up on the inside of us and we can deliver that kindness. Amen. Again, what if we mess up? Pastor Mark, you know, this is a tall order. Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. That's a good help me, Jesus prayer. The Holy Ghost lives in you. That same, the love of God shed abroad in your heart, but that kindness is in your heart. That compassion is in your heart. What's the other one? It says humility. This person depicts a mindset and an attitude of someone who is humble, lovely, and willing to stoop to any level that is needed to help someone. This person is not self-promoting. They are modest and unpretentious. Now, you all know something about humility. We understand false humility and real humility. How many of you know that if you don't humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, you can't resist the devil? Humility is a big thing with God. Humility is huge with God. And it's not something we hear a lot about in the world and in the church today or in, or in society today because a lot of people, uh, uh, they, when they hear humility, a humble person, they think of poor, they think of uh, easy to run over. You know, it's not highly esteemed like it used to be. But we need to learn how to esteem it again because God requires us to be humble, to walk humbly before him. It it doesn't mean you're not a person of victory. It doesn't mean you're not a person of strength. Humility is not weakness. 
humility. So uh, Ephesians 4 and 2. Ephesians 4 and 2 says this, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Um, that, has to, that has to do with humility. Philippians 2, 3. Philippians 2, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness. There it is right there. But in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem others better than themselves. But humility is not just being humble to God, but it's being See, if all I'm trying to be is humble to God, then I believe that, you know, for those five minutes of my day, I'm doing that. But it doesn't matter what I do to anybody else. But it does matter what you're doing to everybody else. It does matter how you're talking to everybody else. It does matter. It does. Because it's not shut off and on with God. And then people wonder why they can't resist the devil. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Come on, there's that word strife again. Where there's strife and envy, there's what? Every evil work. Should we stay away from strife? Humility and strife don't live together. Humility and strife don't live together. Well, humble people are weak people. That's not how God looks at it. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he pours out grace on you that you can resist the devil and the devil run for you like someone running as in terror. So humility to God is not a weakness. It's a strength. Let, let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each other esteem each other better than themselves. Preferring one another. Oh, that would help a marriage or two if y'all preferred one another. Teaching your children to prefer one another. Praise the Lord. I'll tell this real quick story. Uh, Pastor Rhonda, uh, she, she always did this, and I, I told her to quit it. But like anytime we eat, you know, like there's a bigger piece of steak. She always gave it to me. I'm like, why do you always do that? She goes, well, I'm just trying to prefer you. And I'm like, well, quit it. <laughs> I'm going to start prefer, you know, uh, but, but th that's a good thing to try to prefer one another. Try to outgive one another. I mean, now somebody's got to make a decision. If everybody's always deferring to one another, nothing ever gets done. Somebody's got to find up and say, okay, we all proved our humbleness. Uh, let's make a decision here. You know what I'm saying? But that would be a nice change. Instead of always getting mine. Hallelujah. And when you do that, not only practice it towards God, but practice it towards other people. Then you're going to be a real powerful person. And you're really going to have your running clothes on. And you're really going to be able to finish your course. Amen. Gentleness. This is part of the fruits of the Spirit too. Gentleness. This is a person who is patient, slow to respond in anger. This person knows how to submit. This person remains in control even during insults and injury. This person is like soothing medicine in an unsettled situation. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Now I, Paul, uh, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. So Paul's saying, um, I'm beseeching you by the meekness and the gentleness. So Jesus was meek and Jesus was gentle. And so he said, I, I need to talk to you. I'm beseeching you. I myself am beseeching you. In other words, I am, I, I, I'm, I'm pulling on, I'm walking in the meekness and gentleness of Christ. That's what he's saying there. And then just for time's sake, Galatians 6.1. You know this one. Galatians 6.1. If any man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual. Everybody say, I'm spiritual. So what are you and I supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be restoring people. But how are we supposed to be doing it? In the spirit of meekness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. 
So uh, we don't restore people with being haughty. We're not restoring people with, I told you so. We're not restoring people with, uh, I can't believe you did that again, you, did, you, 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 did, you idiot. <clears throat> Trying to get the word out right. <laughs> but we're, that's how we restore people. Aren't you glad that's how the Lord restored you? Because you were walking towards them again. Maybe you were in church and you were backslidden for a number of years and you were walking up. And then that'd be like Jesus getting up in front of you, stopping, saying, Are you going to do this again? You think you can do it this time? Aren't you glad he doesn't do stuff like that? What's he doing? Open arms. Oh, here we go. This is the 20th time. Hope you can make it this time. Praise the Lord. What is this? This is running clothes. This is how you make it to the end. This is how you hear well done. These are things that we got to have in our lives. This is good stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. So, um, patience. Oh, you all know patience. Let's look, let's look at it. Patient, restraint of anger, long suffering, forbearance, patience. We have an obligation to be patient with people who fail or who are not like us or who don't get the right answer. Come on, we have to be patient with people who aren't like us. We have to be patient with people. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad the Lord's patient with you? Well, let's go ahead and look at it. Uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 4. Therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of vocation where I've called. Verse 2, with all lowliness, this has a number of these that we looked at, with all lowliness, meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another, putting up with one another, putting up with one another, but not, being, not putting up with someone, you know, mad, putting up with one another in love, verse 3, endeavor, and when you do that, what does it do? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, this doesn't, listen, stop. This doesn't mean covering everything up. That's not peace. That's false peace. That's, that's false peace in your marriage. That's false peace in your home. That's false peace with a friend. I'm not talking about the cover-up. You have to deal with stuff. But how you deal with stuff is important. And if you, if you do verse 2, then you'll endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 4. There's one body, one spirit, even as you're called, and one hope of your Lord. All right? Let's look at this. 1 Timothy 1.16. Everybody say Patience. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that the first time uh, that, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering patience for a pattern to them which should thereafter believe on him to life everlasting. So he's saying, I have to have that pattern in my life of being a patient person. Well, praise the Lord. I can just be real honest with you. I, I, I have to work on this one. I've always had to work on this one. Being patient not only with myself, but being patient with other people. I'm, and then how it helps me is I look at my life and I go, whew, thank you that you're being patient with me. You're being patient with me. Aren't you glad he's long-suffering? He suffers longer with folk than you and ever, I would ever thought, think about. Longer than any of us, we wouldn't know. Sometimes I look at them like, you're too good. You're too nice. 
No. But, but then when it comes to us, we're like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and he would like that in you to other people to show people who he is. 1 Peter 3.20, which sometimes were disobedient, disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. So again, I just want you to see, this is the kind of long-suffering he wants in you. They were a wicked bunch of folks. And it took Noah how long to build that boat? 100 plus years. Right? That's a long time. And Noah was known as the preacher of righteousness. And the boat building told them something was about to change and you need to get on board. And his patience and endurance with those people of that day. Even though he knew none of them were going to change. He was patient with them anyway. Help us, Jesus. That's like Peter saying, Lord, how many times should I forgive people? <laughs> seven times seven? And he said, no, 70 times seven. Mm. Then what did Peter say? Give me some faith, Jesus. Give me some faith. <laughs> but the Lord wouldn't ask you to do something he wasn't willing to do. And for that, we're grateful. And for that, we're grateful. But you can't do this on your own. This, this stuff, none of this can be done on your own. None of this can be done. If you do this, it'll change your flesh, but you can't do this in the flesh. There are some things that look similar to this in the natural. You know, we all, we all live in the South, and we're kind of known for being kind. But... I know some people who can be kind to someone's face and then cut them <laughs> when they ain't listening and when they ain't looking. That's not the kindness we're talking about. Right? The kindness of God doesn't do that kind of stuff. Amen. All right. So we got our clothes on. We're getting our clothes on. We're going to do. So then we got to bear with one another. When you bear with another, you're forbearing. We must put up with one another, learn to tolerate one another. It is the opposite of acting intolerant or being short-tempered with other people. 2 Thessalonians 1.4. 2 Thessalonians 1.4 says, So that we ourselves glory in you and in the church of God for your patience and faith in all your persecution. And there it is, tribulations that, what is it? Endure. So you've got all this stuff going on, yet you endure you endure with people. How many know that that's the way God is? The last, the last two are forgiving. We know um, we, we have to forgive people. We know a lot about that around here. You hear that a lot. And the other one is love. You know, thank God we know how to love people. But I want you to see this too. So that's uh, Colossians 3 uh, through 14. And uh, you can stop there. But then, but th this, is, this is how I kind of looked at it. Um, Colossians. Three, and I'm gonna let you go. Colossians 3, 14, it says, and above all these things, put on charity, agape, which is the bond of perfectness. And then it says this. So those are your clothes, and then I just the way it looks like to me is then that I'm gonna get a backpack and I'm gonna put these other three things in them. Because I need these things. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. So how I many you know we need in order to do this, in order to finish our course, we're gonna need some peace. Aren't you glad Jesus left you his peace? And put on peace, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, uh, to the, which also you are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Come on, everybody say, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. 
How many know that an attitude of gratitude will keep you in the right place? So you got to pack with you peace all the time. you got to pack with you thankfulness all the time. And then it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Come on, I'm talking to you folks. You know how to do this. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Not, we're not surface people. We're letting the word of God dwell in us richly. Uh, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do, and whatever you do in word or, do, uh, word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. So what are we going to put in our backpack? We're going to put peace in our backpack. We're going to put thankfulness in our backpack. What are we going to do? We're going to let the word of God dwell in us richly. What are we going to do? And then we're going to just remind ourselves, everything I do, I'm going to do it unto the Lord. Amen. I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to do it unto the Lord. You might think this is crazy. Um, But even things around your house, I'm going to do it unto the Lord. It really will take it to a higher place, even if it's just you. Well, once I get a nice car, I'll keep it clean. Once I get nice, once I, once I get a good house. No, everything you do, do unto the Lord. Everything. Everything. Everything? No, he said everything. Everything you do, do unto the Lord. Everything. Well, when I come to church and I serve, I do it unto the Lord. Yeah, but when you go to work, do it unto the Lord. Everything you do, when I'm at the football game, how can I do that unto the Lord? Oh, you'd be surprised. Just your whole life is centered on him. And listen, he wants you to have a good time while you're here on the earth. He does. But he doesn't want you to sin and have a good time. But he wants you to enjoy your life. But if you just do everything under the Lord. And so along with, if you walk in the spirit, you're not fulfilled the lust of your flesh. Then if you do these spiritual things, it, along with the armor spiritual things, it seems to me it makes it, with the armor, you can win victories and fight off the devil and get those fiery darts. But this clothes, I guess which goes under your armor, I don't know. But, but with this, I can finish my course. This is my daily living. And I can't do this without the help of the Lord. But if I do this, it'll not only change my life, it'll change everybody around.